Hello, Open Arms. It's so great to have you with us today, wherever you are watching from, whether that's in Kildare, Dublin, or anywhere around Ireland or around the world. It's so great to have you with us as we kick off week three of our series, Jesus Is. This is a series where we are looking at the characteristics, the qualities, and the attributes of, of who Jesus is. And we believe as a church that Jesus is the center. He's the center of our church. He is to be the center of our lives. And last week we looked at Jesus is my shepherd. He is my pastor. He is the one who cares for me, guides me, loves me, and provides for me and meets me with all the needs that I have. I really want to encourage you, if you missed that or any of these messages, go to our podcast, Open Arms Church. You'll find it on any podcast platform. Or, of course, you can watch any of the sermons on YouTube. But I'm really praying today that you will receive a revelation of who Jesus is because your view of who he is will determine your relationship with him. And we're really praying that this will help you to rediscover and recenter Jesus in your life. And so today, I'm going to be speaking to you on the title, Jesus is Coming Again. Jesus is coming again. This is probably one of the most mentioned subject in the New Testament. In fact, out of the 27 books in the New Testament, 23 books talk about or refer to either the end times or Jesus' return, his second coming again. In fact, there are so many chapters throughout the Bible devoted to this subject. Not only that, there are books in the Bible devoted to this subject because it is so important. And me personally, I, I've never preached a full sermon on this subject. So this week as I was studying through it, I was learning about it at the same time, learning the insights, but I just, it left me feeling so excited, motivated, and focused to be able to share this with you today. And this is going to be an in-depth teaching. So I want to encourage you as I'm sharing scriptures and key insights and points to, to take notes or simply just to Prepare your heart, prepare your mind, be open to what God wants to speak to us today through his word. And so when it comes to this subject, which the subject is title is really eschatology. Eschatology is the study of the end times or Jesus's return. Now, with eschatology, there are many who love to focus it, who almost obsess about it, especially during times like this. But there are many who are somewhat freaked out about it or, or confused in some way. Or, or maybe as you have experienced reading through this subject, whether reading a book of Revelation or the book of Daniel, oftentimes it can leave us feeling like we've got more questions than answers. And this has been our experience oftentimes of particular difficult subjects in the Bible. And when I was growing up and as a preteen, I became fascinated with this subject and there was a young adult book series called Left Behind. In fact, there was many movies made about this and, and the latest movie was one in which Nicolas Cage was in and it's this uh, books and, and movies that focuses on the rapture and we see scenes and stories like everyone waking up one morning and uh, there's just clothes laid out in the ground because people have disappeared and there's airplanes and there's cars crashing into one another and they go on this journey where they are discovering the Antichrist, and it used to fascinate me. But as I grew older and became a man, a husband, and a father, it, it became more irrelevant 
for where I was and what I was going through. And there was other subjects, there was other areas in the Bible that took my attention because I needed to be equipped and guided and built up in these areas rather than in this particular subject of eschatology. And if we were to all be honest, oftentimes we are so busy and so preoccupied with our lives here on earth that that we haven't got much time to think about or focus on Jesus' return. And a matter of fact, I, I, I reckon that we're so busy and so caught up with all the things that we have to do and the life that we have to enjoy that it's somewhat inconvenient to think about the end of the world, Jesus' second coming, his returning again. So sometimes we, we maybe like don't give it the attention that it deserves. We don't speak about it as much as we should. So today my goal is really to bring some insight and truth to you so that I will bring relevance to you because this matters. It really matters. And my heart and my goal is that that you will be encouraged. And not only that, that you will be excited for Jesus' return, that you will be prepared for his return, and they will give you insights maybe into particular scriptures and particular subjects that you have never heard before or never received clarity on. So if you're on the side that loves eschatology, loves this subject, you're going to enjoy this sermon. If you maybe had been so confused and never really given much attention to this subject, I believe that you're going to receive encouragement, that you're going to receive insight, and that you're going to leave our time today feeling built up like, now I understand. Now I know more from what uh, Jesus' second coming, his return, is going to look like. So as we dive into this, we see that during Jesus' time here on earth, 33 years, in the last three years of his life, he spent his ministry discipling people, teaching people, until it came to the time for him to be crucified upon the cross, giving himself as a sacrifice for us where he was buried, until the day that, that he rose again, he rose from the tomb. And then we read at the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts that he spent 40 days in his glorified body as he rose from the grave, 40 days walking with his disciples and teaching particular important words and commands until the day that comes it's called his ascension after 40 days of walking in this earth he ascended into heaven now we read about this ascension in acts 1 9 to 11 it says after he said this this was the final words the instruction the mission and vision that jesus has for us as his followers disciples believers and his church he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid from their sight They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. In other words, he left in a body and he will return in a body. He left ascending into the clouds and he will return descending from the clouds. Well, if anything else, here's one thing that we can learn from this scripture. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. If there's anything that we could say around what's happening in the world today, as we look around at what's happening in this space, we will have to admit that Jesus' return is becoming closer than ever before. 
he is, he, we know that we are coming closer to the time that he is coming again. It may not be today or tomorrow. We may not know when it is, but I think it's important for us in this generation to begin to think about and prepare for his return, at least to have an understanding and a knowledge of what his return will look like and what we need to do in the process. So I want to share with you today three insights into Jesus coming again, three things that are going to happen upon his return. And here's the very first insight. He will come unexpectedly. He will come unexpectedly. When this subject comes up, Oftentimes, the question that arises is, well, when will he come? When will it be? What is going to be the day? What is going to be the time? And will it be this generation that we will experience his coming again? Well, in Matthew 24, verse 3, it reads, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? Even 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was right there, they were asking when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, in this moment, Jesus says something really interesting. This really gives us an insight into the, an aspect of who Jesus is and something that really proves that all of the prophets of today, all of the preachers of today that try and give and predict their time of when the time will come, he will come again, they haven't got a clue. They do not know what they are talking about. And this is why, for Jesus says, I can't tell you when I'm coming back, for I don't even know. He says that Jesus doesn't even know when he's going to come back, but he says, only God the Father knows. So right now, in this moment, Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of his Father, our Father, God the Father, and he is waiting for the word in which he will return. He is right now waiting for it, and he says that he doesn't know, so therefore there's no way that we could know or predict. And he says this, Jesus said that like a woman has birthing pains and labor as signs. And we're experiencing right now with Jillian as we're getting ready. There's signs. We can see the baby is about to come. Our four child is about to come. In the same way, Jesus says that a, a woman in labor has signs. There are clear signs of the day that the day is upon us. Now, you can read all of these signs. There's, Jesus gives us a lift, list of the signs in Matthew chapter 24. And when you read these signs, you will discover that every one of these signs has been fulfilled. Every one of these signs has been fulfilled. So we can come to the conclusion that we could be the generation that will see Jesus return. We could be the generation that will see his return. Now, we may say, well, every generation could say that, and to an extent, you would be right. But there is some of these signs that have never be been fulfilled in any other generation. One of the signs is this, is that there will be wars and rumors of wars. There's always been wars, yes. But the threat of war, whether that's nuclear or more of a global widespread impact, has never been as significant as it is today. Not only that, one of the signs says there will be an increase of earthquakes. Hey, we're seeing this in an increased level. We are seeing, as the Bible says, that the earth is groaning because of the stress 
that is on it. We are seeing that our planet is aging rapidly like never before, and we're seeing particular areas of the planet that are decaying. We're seeing floods and earthquakes and loads of these things happening in a global, widespread, more significant impact than ever before. Another is, well, hear this, there will be an increase of diseases. <laughs> we're experiencing that. We're living in that right now. We are seeing that there is an increase of diseases that is happening right now. Now, I know that you could argue that out of all of these signs that they've been happening for years. In fact, we could say that they've been happening in every generation. But there is one sign that no other generation could say has been fulfilled. And this is the sign that it says is that the gospel will be preached to all nations. The gospel will be preached to all nations. Now, the New Testament, it was written in original Koine Greek, ancient Greek, and the word that was used for nations is the word ethnos. The word ethnos means people groups or ethnic groups. And in some nations of the world, there could be hundreds of people groups. There could be hundreds of ethnic groups in one nation. In fact, missiologists, they 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 uh, suggest that there is somewhere between 2,000 people groups in almost 200 nations around the world. And Scripture says that when the gospel is being preached to all people groups in the world, it says this, then the end will come. And so far, we are the very first generation where this sign has been fulfilled. We're seeing, especially with technology, that we have the ability to almost translate the Bible into every single language. Not only that, we see that we have the ability from this part of the world to another part of the world to be able to communicate and we're able to spread the gospel like never before into the unknown parts of the world. Now, this generation has never been able to say that we have been able to preach the gospel for all people and for all people groups. We are in the generation that could quite possibly see the return of Jesus Christ. Now, if there's anything else, I don't know about you, but that that should bring us excitement, not fear, and there's reasons for that in which I will share, but that is exciting for us to know that it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, we may not know when it will be, but Jesus will come unexpectedly, and we could be in the generation that will see his return. It goes on to say in Matthew 24, verse 40, that there will be many people who will get distracted with this world, and we'll forget these signs. In fact, it says two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. It says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 says, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We do not know what day the Lord will come, but we know he will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. And there is one thing, and particularly in study, but also one thing that I see, I know and I believe is this. We are living in a very unique generation. We're living in a time like never before where we're having multifaceted problems on every side surrounding us at a global, uh, in a global way. We're seeing more people come to Christ than ever before. We're seeing more people enter into the kingdom of God than ever before. And I know when you may hear that, you may say, well, attendance in the Western world and church is decreasing, and you would be right. 
But the, the reason for this has been the, the demise of the institutional church in which Jesus never intended his church to be. But what we're seeing is we're seeing a revival break out around the world, particularly among Eastern countries. In fact, China today, today, will see 35,000 people come to know Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Every single day, 35,000 people within China alone are coming to know Jesus. And what we're seeing at the same time in the Western world, we're seeing a new church rise up. We're seeing churches just like Open Arms right across Ireland, right across the Western Hemisphere. We are seeing churches that are rising up that are not built on religion, but they are built on relationship with Jesus. So we are seeing the church rise. We are seeing more people come to know Jesus in the Western world and in the Eastern world like ever before. We are seeing exponential growth and an explosion of growth upon us. We're reaching people for Jesus like never before. Now I know that we could say, well, Sean, there's also more wickedness and evil in the world than we've ever seen. And, and you would be right to say that. You know, if we would just take a snapshot of 50 years ago, we would see that there's not much of a distinct difference morally, philosophically, ethically, and culturally between a believer and a non-believer. But what we're seeing right now in the culture in which we live in today, that there is polar opposites. There is a greater level of disparity between the two. We're seeing a distinct difference between a being a believer who follows Jesus in this world and a non-believer who does not know Jesus. We are seeing a difference. We are seeing today more people come to know Jesus, but at the same time, we're seeing more wickedness and depravity and evil like never before. So what are we saying about all this? Well, there are definitely birthing signs labor pains that are showing us that this, the end is coming near. Jesus' return, his coming again, is coming closer and nearer than ever before. Do we know when? No. We cannot predict the time nor date, but we know that there are signs that are being fulfilled among us today. Here's a second insight into his coming again is he will come to get his church. He'll come to get his church. Jesus is not coming with the purpose of annihilating the world, of bringing about Armageddon. That is not his purpose. His purpose is to get his church. His purpose is to get you and me, his followers, believers, those who love him, who are, are committed to him and living according to his ways. John 14 verse 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus will not return and does not return to this world because he's fed up with the world and he wants to end the planet. No, he, he wants to come because he wants to be with you and me. Because he loves us. Because he's for us. And here's how it will happen. A description in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. For the Lord himself, Jesus, will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. Now I'm really praying that this comforts you. That this brings comfort to you. That Jesus is coming to get us. Jesus is coming so that we will be with him. But he also says that all those others who have passed 
before him who have been followers of Jesus, have been loved ones of ours, will be with us. We will be reunited. You know, this week, this Tuesday evening, a, a very special woman who has been a part of Open Arms Dublin from her beginning, Gladys Reed, she, she passed away. She went from this place to be with her Lord. You know what the great thing is? There's going to come a day very soon where we will be reunited together. We will be together in the presence of Jesus for all eternity. If there's nothing else that brings you comfort in this, let that bring you comfort. This is not our home. This is not the place that we will be forever. We will be with the Lord. He is coming to get his church. We may not understand every single aspect of eschatology, but we know one thing, that Jesus is coming for us. Matthew 25, 34 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. What this, does this kingdom that has been prepared for us, the kingdom of heaven? Well, in the kingdom of heaven, there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering. Now I know right now I'm speaking to some of you, you are experiencing immense pain. You are going through pain emotionally, physically, where you're having to take medication just to experience some sense of relief. I want you to know today, the kingdom of heaven that the Lord is preparing for you, there's going to be no more pain. There's no going to be no more suffering. There's going to be peace. There's going to be relief where you will experience joy and gladness in the presence of Jesus. He's coming to get us. He's coming to get his church. Here's the third insight, is that he will come to judge the earth. He will come to judge the earth. You know, we live in a generation right now who does not like to be judged, does not like to be judged in any way at all. In fact, it's a generation that says, I want to do what I want, when I want, and I don't want anyone to judge me. And the truth is, you know what, maybe, maybe you won't receive judgment from man here on earth, but you will at one time receive judgment from Jesus. In fact, Revelation, the last book in the Bible, verse, chapter 20, verse 11 to 13 says this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead were, that were in them. And each person, listen to this, was judged according to what they had done. One of the things that will come along with the second coming of Jesus is judgment. There will be a day of judgment for what we have done. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 6 to 10 says this, God is just. He is just. We will experience justice in this world. We will experience justice in your life and in mine. It says that he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those you have troubled, to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. And it says this, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is, this is deep. This is heavy. Let me say it again. He, 
He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes. Now I know when we hear this, our initial reaction is, wow, that's harsh. Like that is harsh. Sean, I thought that we, we served a God of mercy. How could a God of love and grace and compassion send people to hell? How could there come a day where people will enter into eternal destruction and damnation? That is not fair. And it's not fair. And for this very reason, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. For this very reason, God gave his son, Jesus, to be crucified, to be sacrificed on our behalf, that those who place their faith in him shall not perish. Those who give their life to Jesus and follow him will be saved from any damnation, any destruction, once we place our faith in Jesus. This is the gospel. The gospel is inclusive to everyone not exclusive to a few. That's why we are open arms, open to every man, woman, and child receiving the opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This should motivate this. This should fire us up. This is the very reason that the church should be active and alive in the world today for there is coming a day and that day is getting closer, a day of judgment, a day that Jesus will come again. It says, those who do not believe in God, nor obey him, will receive punishment. If there's one thing that should get us going as the church, that should get us being fired up and bold and confident, is that he has sent us into the world to bring the message of salvation, to bring the gospel of Jesus, to show others through love and acts of kindness and compassion and words of encouragement and being Jesus in our communities. This should set us alive and alight and knowing that he has sent us as the church for this very generation. This is what should give us confidence. And you know what? I've met many Christians in recent months who used to serve the Lord in such a way where they were committed both to the church and extending the gospel. But since then, they've become so comfortable because they become so focused on themselves that they've forgotten the very mission to which Jesus has saved them, called them, and chosen them to be a part of. The mission of sharing the love of Jesus so not anyone would ever perish from this earth into eternity, into destruction and damnation, but will experience salvation for Jesus Christ. You know, our goal as a church is that every man, woman, and child will get the opportunity to respond to this gospel, to receive Jesus. You know, we're not on a mission to be some closed community clubs that spends our time scratching each other's backs, sitting around in our butts. No, it's time for the church to get up off our backsides and actually start being the church, start preaching the gospel, making disciples, loving others, unashamedly being the church in who God has called us to be. I want to encourage you today, if you are on the fence, Get off the fence. Get stuck in once again. Get involved in church. Begin reading your Bible. Begin praying and start being the church who God has called you to be. For you are chosen as a believer, not to just hold it to yourself, but to release it into this earth, to love others, for, 
For this is what says in Revelation 3, 15, 16, I know your deeds. In other words, I know what you're doing. I know the time that you're spending on this earth, and you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's what the Lord says about those of us who are lukewarm. So in other words, let us be on fire for Jesus. Let's be on fire with a passion for his mission as the church here on earth. Because this is what I said a few weeks ago, and I believe it's so true. People don't go to hell because of their sin. People go to hell because they refuse Jesus Christ as their Savior. People don't go to hell because of their sin, because Scripture says that Jesus has paid for their sin. It has been paid. People go to hell because they don't accept Jesus. So therefore, as the church, he has sent us into the world to be able to give people the opportunity to accept Jesus to hear about Jesus, to see Jesus living and active in us and through us, through our hands and feet, through how we are being the church in the world today. So what do we do about this? What is the application of this? What's the action that we can take? If Jesus really is coming again, which he is, and the day of judgment is coming upon us, which it is, what can we do as believers, as Christians? Maybe what can we do if those of us who have not yet given our life to Jesus? What can we do, those of us who are maybe lukewarm, neither hot nor cold? Well, 2 Timothy 4 verse 1 says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. So I want to give you three things. My charge to you that we need to do as a people, that we need to take action on and believe in both collectively as a church, but also individually in light of Jesus coming again. Here's the very first thing, that we need to do everything that we possibly can do is reach people. Reach people. Jude 1.22 says, Be merciful to those who doubt, not judgmental. Snatch others from the fire and save them. Let's do everything that we possibly can do to reach people so that no one will have to live on earth in hopelessness and eternity without Jesus. So that everyone can have the opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus. Is it our responsibility that we will get people saved or coming to know Jesus? No, that's not what he's called us to do. But what he's called us to do is give the opportunity for those to accept or refuse Jesus. Now let me... Firstly, acknowledge this, that this is incredibly difficult to do. This is often a lifelong journey where you will have to show others through the life that you live, the actions that you take, the words that you speak, that you're able to express to others within your family, your friendships, your community, who Jesus is. That they will get to know who Jesus is through you and how you live out your life and how you act and behave. Not... Not that God has called us to preach to people, but oftentimes we can preach to people through sharing our story, sharing what we've been through, sharing with others wisdom in Jesus, helping others make right decisions and directions and choices in their lives, maybe praying with others, maybe inviting others within the community to come to church, to experience worship, to have the opportunity to find new friendships within community, in open arms or any other church that we, he would call us to provide to the broken, to the needy, 
to the hurting and those who are in need and help. It is difficult. It is one of the hardest things that we will ever do, but it's worth it when we reach people. Here's the second thing that we can do as a people is we can stay focused on eternity. As bad as things may be, be in your life right now, take heart. This is not your home. This is not your home. Earth is a place in which you will pass from here to be in eternity in the kingdom in which God has prepared for you. One day, you will pass from this place into eternity. Our hope is not here on earth. In fact, Titus 2 verse 13 says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe things are, are going amazing. Maybe you're enjoying life. I want to encourage you, do not store up for yourselves here on earth riches. Do not spend your time trying to grasp and hold on to everything and living your, your life in such a way that this is all there is. But, but enjoy your time here on earth, but be focused on eternity. The 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes, not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Here's the third and final thing. Be ready. Be ready for his return. 2 Peter 3 verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? What kind of people should we be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. When I ask you a question today, I want to encourage you to ask yourself, are you ready? Ask yourself that right now. Am I ready? And if the answer is, I don't know. I don't know what side I'm on. In fact, I feel like on the fence. I feel like I'm in the middle. I don't know if I'm ready. Well, I want to encourage you, get ready. Get ready for his return. Prepare your hearts in such a way that you are ready for when the Lord returns. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian who has given your life to Jesus, but you've become lukewarm, hey, restore your passion in Jesus. Revive his mission in your heart. If you do not know Jesus today, I want to give you an opportunity. Place your faith in him. Put your trust in him. How do we do this? Quite simply, is surrendering our life to him giving everything to him, accepting him as our Lord and as our Savior. I'd love to lead you in a prayer today in giving your life to Jesus, maybe restoring your passion in him or maybe beginning a relationship with him. And I'd love for you, where you are right now, to just close your eyes, bow your heads, or, or just pray this prayer in your heart. And just repeat these words with me and say, Jesus, I give you my life. Today I choose to follow you. I believe that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Today, from this day forth, I believe that I am set free, that I am forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for each of you. Lord, I pray right now for every person who's made that decision. 
the decision in our heart that where there may have been fear, anxiety, worry about what's happening on this earth and where I will go, God, I pray that you will dispel that right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would build up a confidence, a boldness that you have called us and chosen us and saved us as a people, not to keep this hope for ourselves, but to share it with each and every person around us. Lord, would you help us and equip us to be the people in which you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you made that decision for the first time, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love you to go to openarms.ie forward slash connect and just write out your details there. Tick the box and give my life to Jesus. And we want to invite you to Next Steps. It's a Zoom uh, call with myself and some of our team. We'd love to hear your story and just help you on this journey. So we'd love you to do that. But also, if you've not yet been to church in person, hey, come and join us. This Next Sunday, whether that's in Newbridge or in Dublin, and come and join us this Tuesday night or Thursday night, 7.30 and in Dublin on Tuesday and 7.30 in Newbridge on Thursday. But I want to pray for you as we finish today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.